Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is May 7, 2015. This is episode 1570 of the Survival Podcast, and I've got a good one for you today. Dr. Stephen and Janet Lewis have returned to the Survival Podcast. They're one of you, your all-time favorite guests and two of my favorite people. I'll have them on in just a minute. Before I do, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsor today, number one today, Backwoods Home Magazine. Really easy company to be a sponsor. Really, really easy company for me to recommend. Why? I've been their customer for 21 years now. I subscribed to Backwoods Home in 1994, and I've been a loyal subscriber ever since. Give them a try, and you'll see why. They have awesome authors like Dave Duffy and Jackie Clay and Masada Ayub, uh, John Silvera, and many other great folks over there to help you learn how to live that self-sufficient, libertarian-oriented lifestyle. Check them out today at BackwoodsHome.com. Next up today, J.M. Bullion. Man, this is really simple to understand. The plan for money is to make it worth less tomorrow than it is today. That's everybody's plan. That's the government's plan. It's the Federal Reserve's plan. It's the banker's plan. And if you talk to your financial advisor, he bases your retirement on the fact that that's the plan. But yet, it doesn't seem that these folks really understand the solid investment that is silver and gold. I'm not an all-in guy. I'm a guy that says, assure your wealth with a 5% to 10% investment of your net wealth into silver and gold due to its long-term track record of being just that, a wealth insurance and assurance policy. When I need silver and gold, I go to JM Bullion. There's a reason. Better pricing than the biggest people out there. Let's say Monix, Atmix, they beat them hands down on just about every item. Free shipping on all orders over $100. Of course, they have a minimum order of $100, but frankly, if you're buying silver and gold uh, and, and you're not buying it locally, if you're buying it shipped to you, it doesn't really make sense to buy less than that. They are the company that I choose for all my silver and gold purchases. If you, if you try them out, you'll see why I feel that way. You can learn more at jmbullion.com and on purchases of $500 or $1,000. They do discounts for members of my support brigade. You can learn more at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Click on Members. Join the support brigade if you're already a member. Look in the benefits section. You'll see that discounted price for jambillion.com. You'll see a special deal to become a subscriber to Backwoods Home Magazine. You'll see a lot of other great discounts. You can become a member right there on the website, thesurvivalpodcast.com. Again, click on Members of the Member Support Brigade banner and decide to support the show at 18.3 cents an episode. Uh, and uh, you get all these great discounts and more than pay for your membership. You can learn more at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was the episode. Man, this is a hard one. I've got the first modern atlas, finding our way in a whole new world. I have remember, 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 remember the 5th of November, Guy Fawkes and the Occupy Wall Street. Uh, Guy Fawkes is born this year. Jimmy Stewart takes the bullet, but no grassy knoll. I really wanted to read the Guy Fawkes thing because it, he's so associated with anarchism, and I actually think there's a lot of uh, misconstrued ideology there that blends certain things and gives anarchists a bad name, but I... For other reasons, I have to read for you the first modern atlas. You can re read Remember, Remember the 5th of November, and Jimmy Stewart Takes the Bullet at the TSP Wiki at tspwiki.com if you want to read those ones. The first modern atlas, finding our way in the whole new world. In a practical sense, the world, the known world has become too large to create a useful map for it all on one page. The, in the past, larger maps were printed on separate sheets of paper and joined together. This year, the Flemish cartographer... Abram Ortel 
has taken those separate map sheets and bound them into a book called Theater of the World. This is the first modern atlas. It consists of 70 maps on 53 pages along with explanatory text. Copper sheets are custom made for the printing press so that it can be mass produced. Four surviving copies can be found at the Library of Congress. My take by Alex Shrugged, this atlas is evidence of an ongoing change in thinking. The printing press allows anyone to re retain a baseline of knowledge without using complex memorization techniques. On the way out are those uh, stream-of-conscious books that require the reader to consider the book as a whole. Now people can look things up. This frees up the mind to consider new ideas. Today, hard copy books are on the way out, requiring the human mind to change again. Although we are losing our connection with the physical book with page numbers for a reference, we have a search bar which accelerates the lookup process. It's the difference between finding our way using a paper map and asking our smartphone for directions. It's a whole new world. Yeah, I agree. There's some things on here, though, that I really think are monumentous for history. I want you to think about this. Um... We're in the year 1500. We've had several thousand years leading up to this of, you know, people having a civilization, people having the art of cartography, being able to actually draw a map, to understand the, the relative place of, of one place to another. So it's not new that we would have a map. But for the first time in history, the world has become large enough in, the, in knowledge that we can't put it on one piece of paper or even multiple pieces of paper that we can lay out on a desk and look at. We need a book for a picture of the world. What this must have meant to people living at the time is hard to even conceive of. To become more empowered and yet realize how small you are. That's what I feel the Internet has done, that we have more knowledge than ever today, but that leads us to realize how much we don't know. Nick Ferguson and I were just talking about this with permaculture, that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And this is one of those key points in history. And this is also, you know, today is one of those key points. That we're actually getting to a point now where we have greater access to knowledge, but less ability maybe to use that knowledge, because we haven't actually caught up to the... The, the, the ability to gain the knowledge, like to apply the application speed right now does not match the accessibility speed. And it's exciting to think about where that might go, both good and bad. That's my take by Jack Spirico. Uh, before I bring our guests on today, I do want to uh, read the Bob Wells Plan of the Week. We usually do that on Tuesday, but of course there was no show Tuesday. So today what I have for you is Hall's Hardy Almond. This almond is adaptable from zone six to nine. The Hall's Hardy Almond is a tree, uh, both as a beautiful ornamental and a productive edible at the same time. Uh, it's an attractive tree, yields large crops of crunchy almonds in fall, and has a showy pink flowers that make it a landscape standout in spring. It'll pretty much grow anywhere where peaches thrive, bears in two to three years, matures at 15 to 20 feet tall, ripens in late September, and it's self-pollinating. You can find this plant more at BombWellsNursery.com. Bob Wells Nursery specializes in edible landscape, plants, trees, including fruit trees, berry plants, vine fruits, nut trees, as well as hard-to-find specialty trees. You can find this plant more at BombWellsNursery.com. What I like about almonds, they are the, the fastest path to nut production that I know of. If you live, let's say, zone six or below, where you can actually grow them. If you plant a pecan tree, you're looking at 10 to 12 years to get a little bit of nuts. 
Uh, sometimes you can do a little faster with hazelnuts. You can get them in five to six years, but huge, large production, you know, significant amounts take take a long time to really develop a, a stand of hazelnuts. Walnuts, you're looking at you know a decade plus. Uh, most nuts, chestnuts, you might get some nuts five to six years, but really heavy production of any significant amount. But but an almond thrives anywhere a peach thrives because they're basically uh, in many ways the same plant. They're just a different genetic track of the common ancestor. So the ancestor to the peach was selectively bred to make the 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 the, the fruit itself um, larger, juicier, sweeter, etc., and more pleasing. And the same ancestor plant was bred to make the kernel of the pit of the stone fruit more palatable, less bitter, and, and more useful as a nut. So the almond puts nut production in you know three to five years into the hands of the homesteader. Again, if you live far enough south, with zone six and below, or zone six and above, that's quite a big swath of the country. You can grow nuts and get your nuts in a relatively short period of time compared to something like a Carpathian walnut or a pecan. So that's what I love about the, the almonds in particular, but especially the really hardy, easy-to-grow ones like Hall's Hardy uh, and another one known as All-in-One. Those are, those are two really great choices for your homestead. With that, before I, one more time before I bring on our special guest today, I just want to update you guys on what went on in Arkansas. So we have a big project up there involving uh, agricultural buffer land for Alcoa. Uh, we worked with several hundred acres, one side for an educational center that I don't really have any video of, uh, but Nick Ferguson will probably be releasing some video of that side. And the other side, more of a production side uh, of several hundred acres as well. The swales, close to a mile long, the longest swales that are on that one. They were put in with uh, a D4 and a D6 dozer, and I have a bunch of video on that that's currently processing on YouTube that will be available soon. But the project went very well. The customer's excited about moving to the next phases. All that was done at this point was the earthworks because it's a bit late in the year for planting, but we are already in discussion for the planting that's going in and making some modification and adjustments based on some decisions the, cu the customer's making. But this is, um, this is a big deal. This is a big deal to be able to go in and do a broad-scale project uh, and bring along Mark Shepard's team at the same time and to be working with a, 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 a very large corporation like Alcoa sets a, a bar standard that we can now go and talk to other companies like this, of this scope and size. Uh, these companies have these large swaths of buffer land. Uh, they have budgets. They don't have the uh, make-it-or-break-it break it reality that a farmer does. And we can probably plant millions of trees and, and do really great things for sustainability uh, with this particular uh, type of project. And you always have to have somebody go first. And thanks to TSP and this audience and the success that we've had up till now, uh, we were able to reach somebody in one of the positions that could make that happen. And, and that project's now in the ground. It's not done by any long shot, but it's now happened. And, and that means that we can now, uh, in working with, with Perma Ethos and, and Rad in the future, that's Rad's Mark Shepard's company, continue to approach companies like this and say, we have a case study. We have some place we've done this, and the customer's happy. And, you know, do you want to make a significant contribution or not? Not all of them are going to want to, but I think enough of them will, that this will be one of the turning points for sustainable agriculture and for good quality environmental agriculture. 
uh, going forward and permaculture going forward. And I want you to know that I feel like all of you guys are part of that. And I thank you for putting me in a position to where I was able to be part of making that happen. And I'd like to send out um, a, a thank you uh, to Mark Shepard and his team uh, and to Josiah Wallingford and Nick Ferguson who were on the project with me um, and to Britt, uh, the customer, for, for helping get this thing done. And uh, again, I think it's really an exciting thing. I hope that we have a lot more to show you going forward. Um, we do have a, you know, a customer that is a corporate entity, so we're limited on some of the things we can do there. But I think this is going to be a really, really awesome thing for sustainable agriculture and permaculture. All right, with that, I want to say, hey, Dr. Stephen, Lewis, and Janet, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, good hey. to be here. So um, you guys have been... Some of them, I would call one of my most successful guest appearances ever because you're the ones that have gotten reluctant spouses to listen to me. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> because I've met people like, you know, and I'll meet the, meet the wife and husband together and it's one side or the other was like, they didn't want nothing to do with me. Got hooked in on, on what y'all do. And the, the, the reluctant one tried what y'all did, and now everybody loves me because of you. So I really appreciate you guys for that. Oh, well, you're welcome. Well, thank you. I Including two of my business partners, both of their wives now are, 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 are clients of yours and, and very pleased with it. But some people out there are going, what, what the heck are they talking about? Um, so I've got you guys on a talk. Could you, uh, Dr. Lewis, just start out with kind of what your background is? And how you got into doing what you're doing and what, what your, your approach is to, to health in general. And, uh, Janet, you weigh in whenever you want to talk over him because that's how y'all work. And uh, <laughs> that way at least people know where we're coming from because we're going to talk about some really cool stuff today, but I want people to know who, who they're hearing from. Well, I was trained as a chiropractor, but I always had, uh, a un, uh, unsatiable interest in nutrition. Because although I understand nerve supply, uh, you still with a good nerve supply can't function at 100% toward, uh, you know, without the nutrition that's going on. And to me, now I grew up very, very poor. And so we try to give a whole lot of information, uh, and quality for the, for the money people spend. And so I've taken lots of orthopedics and x-ray courses and things like that. But the ones, that I have the most fun with were the nutrition ones. So I've taken dozens and dozens and dozens of those over the years. And it comes down, I wanted to do this show, uh, and I appreciate you for allowing me the, you know, place to do it is it's about the soil. Um, my daddy taught me about soil and soil health back, you know, a million years ago, probably 50, 55 years ago when I was a really tiny kid. And I didn't realize until things got bad in the world how right on my daddy was by trying to seed crimson clover and then building a fence around it so the cows wouldn't do it and how he got 10 acres of land from the neighbor that overgrazed his land until it was in very poor health and and putting manure in the soil and, and teaching me about composting. And that's really what I want to talk about today. But the reason I want to do that and, you know, this is going to be a little weird, so y'all that are listening, bear with me. I think that we need to start giving back to the earth, and that's why I've become a great fan of you, Jack, because of what you do. 
and I tell all your people that I talk to that come to see us, I said, listen, are you a member support brigade? And a lot of them will say, no. I said, why not? Don't you listen to him all the time? And they said, well, yeah. Listen, we're going to have to start putting into the earth to get back. It's not a one-sided relationship. And if you're listening to Jack Spirico, belly up to the bar and pay the bill. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I would say definitely if you're going to be y'all's client, they should pay the bill because they're going to get a discount. It's probably going to pay the bill back. But oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, more more than back. But I mean, I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way. I I give freely and 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 things work out for the best here. But uh, I do appreciate the the sentiment there. Um, on that note, you know, you're you're talking now about soil health and all, and and from the standpoint of putting in before you give back and that's kind of what we're here to talk about with how it how that same type of thing works for the human body right so as we look at that you know one of the things i try to teach people about if you want to garden well you got to get your biology and your soil right you have to have the beneficial nematodes the the arthropods the the fungi uh the good guy bacteria all of that stuff doing the right things in the soil and that'll help your your crop yields. And what you're actually saying is there's a, a tremendous link there to human health, correct? You know, in, in a really big way. And I think the place we should start is the you give to the earth to get back. You give to the soil. Because I've read uh, research that says we've got about 50, 60, 75 years left of soil. And then we're going to be up the creek. Uh, but I see a lot more evidence of people using these microorganisms and the nematodes and, and the mycorrhiza, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I see more and more, and I was talking to a patient yesterday, and he says, oh, yeah, we used to do this, and we'd put all kinds of solvents through, and we'd clean this up, and then it'd be in the water supply. But he said there'd be leftover toluene, and toluene's a bad, bad boy when you get it in your body. I said, how'd you clean it up? He said, we sent it to the bug farm. I said, tell me more. And he <laughs> said, well, it was microorganisms that they would run through and clean it up. And I said, yeah, I know about microorganisms. I bought some many, many, many years ago, and I've used that. I've used uh, the beneficial earthworms. Uh, and my plants, and I'm kind of an amateur at this. I don't grow a whole lot of stuff. But the good microbiology it has increased the yield so, so tremendously. And I use uh, probiotics on humans. I, I encourage them to do it for themselves, to ferment their own food, as well as swallowing the pills. And unfortunately, I used probiotics on my last group of chickens, and I didn't have the attrition rate. So now I've got too many chickens because not nearly <laughs> enough of them died. <laughs> so the probiotics really do work. And, you know, I'll get a little technical, but uh, to the folks listening out there, I guarantee you Jack knows more than me about the soil health. So next time I plant 49 pecan trees, I'm going to Jack and ask his advice because out of my original 49, I've only got six left. Well, you got the six good ones. That's one way to look at it. We call it <laughs> stun, right? Sheer, total, utter neglect. So just plant ten times more than you want. If ten percent survive, you get the good genetics. But <laughs> with, with people, we have to, you know, try to take a little bit different of an approach. So, yeah, you know, with the, the probiotics, that's one thing. Are there other things we can do to encourage the good natural balance in our bodies of, of positive microbes? Because I think we're And this is where you know more than me, but I think we're actually more microbe than we are just about anything else, aren't we? 
we are, there's 10 times more microbes in our body than we have cells in our body. And there's books written about uh, the gut being the second brain. And, and the new uh, research is going toward uh, genetics. But at the same time, they say we have about a 90 to 95 percent influence over our genetic expression if we get the bacteria right, if we put the minerals back into our body, which we have to do in the soil. Um, I can talk about broken genetics for a while and, you know, I can get really off subject here, but now there's about 50% of everybody has at least a one strand genetic mutation, if not a double strand on two different places on their genes that can't utilize folic acid. Hmm. Now, Jan and I have not, we've not done the test yet. We've ordered the test and it's a very involved genetic testing, but they test for this. It's called 5-MTHR. 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate reductase, and yeah, I'm not a geneticist, but some of the things we're getting with these broken genetics, and yes, we've got a way to supplement to get around it, but the, we're finding people that have had autism, addictions, miscarriage, can't get pregnant, fibromyalgia, chemical sensitivity, different types of uh, cancer, meningiomas, uh, metho or hypomethylation. It just goes on and on and on and on. The ones that I'm not getting the best results with, we're beginning to experiment with this and we're getting some absolutely, holy Jesus, great results. Huh. And so that comes from the glyphosate and the things you were talking about last week on one of your podcasts. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about a, the ability to absorb, I'm sorry, was a beat, was it folate? Or yeah, yeah, folic acid. I, I, somehow my head messed up there for a second. But you're saying there's people, there's people now with a genetic malformation or what have you, a mutation where they're not capable of absorbing it. And yes, my question then would be, well, what do we do about it? And two, um, is it like wouldn't there have been a whole lot more of those people dead a thousand years ago? Is it like the fact that we can compensate so much with abundance today that that's allowed that mutation to be expressed, or what's what's going on there? Because it it would seem like that would be a big problem if you weren't able to stuff your face with Big Macs and and just do it on pure calories. <laughs> well, they're saying this genetic mutation is is a recent thing because of the pollutants that we're okay. getting more and more uh, broken genetics. You know, you were talking about the glyphosate testing and think that people should do it, and it's like I agree with you that particular. Outfit has it really cheap. What is it, $119 or yeah. something like that? You can either test for it in your soil or your, your body. I think I'd start with test for it in your body. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little more it, important to me to know if, I, if I'm walking around with it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or to what degree versus yeah. how, how much you clean up, you know, a year or two or three years later. But, yeah, you know, it's time. I think... And please correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think I'm seeing a resurgence of cleaning up the soil and going sustainable and going organic. And I was talking to a man named Jack in Alpharetta, Georgia the other day, and he said, but, Doc, even though if it's uh, organic, that doesn't mean it's full of minerals and full of all kinds of nutrients. And I said, that makes you wiser than most people. He said, his stuff tastes better, but until he started enriching the soil with all of these minerals – 
and putting the microorganisms in his chicken litter, that's when it started tasting better. And, you know, we could test nutrient uh, levels on all kinds of organic and it still be a little deficient, but it's better than conventional, of course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at the, the, the soil there, if if you actually analyzed what's available in the soil, almost everything a plant needs to thrive is in there. The Already. question is, can it get it? Right. So when we look at these these organisms in the soil, many of them, what they do is they make those things bioavailable to the plant. So you can have phosphorus in the soil. We have places in Texas. I'm sure you've heard about this. I mean, there's phosphorus. They won't even fertilize for it anymore. They want to pass laws against it. And yet the plants are showing phosphorus deficiency. Well, it would be like if I brought you a, a big, you know, you said, uh, Give me a trace mineral, any trace mineral you can think of. Uh, vanadium for blood and, sugar. So I said, you, you, you say you're short, and I bring you a big old block of it and, and, and sit it on your lap. And so there you go, absorb it, right? Well, <laughs> right, it's not going to work that way. It has to be in a, a form that the human body can take in. And if you take it in the wrong way, it could probably also be toxic. Yes. So what plants do is they, they, they like ooze out the stuff we call exudates. And that actually attracts a bacteria or a fungi or an organism that specializes in making that particular thing available to that particular plant in the way that plant wants it. And I imagine the human body, a lot of the things in it work very, very similar. You know, it really does. And the thing you're talking about is really important that people understand. You know, I said on our previous podcast that the NPK, the regular fertilizer, actually increases and concentrates gluten in wheat, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it multiplies it many times, and now they're doing new studies on oats that are theoretically gluten-free. Well, they've got a uh, some sort of compound, I forget the name of it, uh, in oats that works just like gluten, so you should avoid oats anyway. Wow. People say, but I I, I want to lose weight. I said, well, quit eating oatmeal, but I like oatmeal. Well, you know, you they just failed, but it's my fault, right? So, <laughs> well, you, you know you, what? I, I like syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I like cold beer, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the the other thing about the fertilizers, um, just the ammonium nitrate actually in the plant replaces where calcium, magnesium, and potassium would go. And those are the macro or big minerals that we need, and that's why there's a lot of people that are having sudden heart attacks, uh, sudden death of all sorts of things. And you know, as far as the glyphosate, uh, there's a, been over a hundred thousand government experiments where they tested for pest, pesticides in about a ten-year uh, span back in the late '90s. And there's at least, on the average, 192 different residues that are cancer-causing in all the people they tested. Mm. So what happens is when you put these microorganisms, the, the fungi and, and the bacteria, even if you do it through the worms and let them do that, you're right. They put out, I forget the word you use. but Exudate. It, yeah, exudate. They actually make enzymes. And, and enzymes are like, a type of protein, it, it really acts as a catalyst and it induces the chemical changes for the other substances and actually multiplies the, the reaction. You know, it's the things that end with ACE, you know, lipase for fat uh, enzyme and cellulase to break down the cell walls of the plant. So um, 
There's a company up in Kansas City, Sustainable Community Development, that does a really, really good job getting these bacteria together, not just getting one bacteria like lactobacillus. They will have like 80, and here's the real kicker. They actually can get anaerobic and aerobic to work together and play nice with each other. Hmm. Which normally does not happen. (laughs) No, I, I, you know, I talked to one of the chemists up there and frankly, he was way the heck above my head, so I didn't really understand it. But I sprayed some of that stuff on my pear tree with fire blight. Hey, it went away completely. Not the tree, the fire blight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to, to contend with. A lot of, a lot of blights and funguses are actually pretty easy. That is a, that is a tough one and, um, it has a tendency to, to, to be very much something that will spread. But something that caught my ear there was when you said that, you know, they did these studies back in the late 90s of all these toxins in people's bodies. Right. And so while you were talking there, I looked up the rate and the use of acres of, of Roundup-ready crops. And in 1998, there were less than 10 million acres of Roundup-ready soy and 10, less than 10 million acres of Roundup-ready corn uh, being used. And by 2006, the soil was up to 70 million acres and the corn up to almost 40 million. And I'd bet you can just triple or quadruple those numbers today. So even the numbers from that study are based on a totally different paradigm because until you did this modification to the plant, you couldn't spray Roundup on it or you would kill it. So the, 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 the amount that's being used on this stuff today is, is ridiculous. And now they've made the weeds Roundup ready. So now they're spraying 2,4-D. With right. the, and Roundup, right? It's not they stop using Roundup and start using 2,4-D. They got Roundup plus 2,4-D. And 2,4-D was one of the two main uh, herbicides mixed together to make Asian Orange. So it's half of Asian Orange plus Roundup on it. And, and that's what they're spraying on our food today into the, you know, probably hundreds of millions of acres of production now. Yeah, and and I hope... At least I'm seeing people that are getting aware of this and they're voting, you know, say no against Monsanto and they're, they're doing no against GMOs and it's just starting, but I, I think the consciousness is changing, but we've got to change the conscience, consciousness on an individual level until it grows, uh, you know, in number so that we can put enough pressure to have some of these laws change that protect the people that are doing things that we know are harmful to us. You know, you also guys, you guys talk about allergies, and the first time I heard you talk about it, I kind of had to like think back and remember who who I used to be, and and not, and never really realized. Like sometimes your health gets better, you don't even really appreciate it because you you forget how bad it was. And when I was a kid, I lived on ActiFed in the spring and the summer, (laughs) and I remember not that many years ago when the federal government changed the thing about. Um, you know, the, the pseudoephedrine, and I knew ActiFed was already a, a niche product. It had been replaced with other things, and it was like the only thing that worked for my allergies. I knew it was going out fast, and I bought as much of it as I could. They probably thought <laughs> it was making meth, and they come out with a new formula now, and it was never the pseudoephedrine that worked for me. It was some other, there's a smaller uh, antihistamine that was in there that worked for me. And then right. it was gone, and nothing else worked for me. And then I sat back when you talked about allergies, and I went, I haven't given a damn for like five years. And I thought, <laughs> well, five years ago is when I started really eating paleo and rebalancing my diet and doing all this stuff. 
and 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 using probiotics. That's something I definitely do, and I eat a lot of fermented foods. So, do you find there's maybe a link between all of this biochemistry and allergies as well? Because again, I look at historically, if if people had the level of allergies that we have today, thousand years ago, they all have been dead. Yeah, they wouldn't have felt good enough to reproduce. But <laughs> I did the same thing when uh, you know our secretary uh, Kimberly says, "Well, well, now that this bluebell recall is so," I went and stocked up on bluebell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's as good for your. Well, it's probably not as bad for your health as stocking up on ActiFed, to be be honest. But <laughs> well, I, I when I tease about a cold beer uh, <laughs> bluebell, I don't really do that much. I know bluebell's full of high fructose corn syrup, but uh, <laughs> you know I'm into having fun. And folks, if you're not having fun, you got to figure out why, and you got to do something about it. The first thing you should do is be happy, and that's more of a choice than anything. But the allergies, you know, you're absolutely right about the intestinal permeability and what the probiotics can do for that. Uh, and that's why even if it's oats, you really shouldn't consume them. Uh, milk is, it depends on which one you read, it's usually the worst source of food allergies according to Journal of Rep- Respiratory Disease and places like that. I think wheat's the number one allergy. I know wheat is involved in 78% of all migraines, and I think it's 43% of all IBS. So wheat's a big uh, common denominator. And when you fix uh, your intestinal permeability with these probiotics, uh, it just gets better and better and better. And, you know, they've noticed that kids that had out, uh, antibiotics before they were 12 months of age, uh, have three times more wheezing than other kids that never had that. And then you got the transhydrogenated fatty acids, the, the trigger information, inflammation. So much can be done if you just do your fermented food, take your probiotic pills. Uh, we have the relish, the, the kefir, the, uh, sauerkraut. And it says many probiotics, and it's like, well, no, the bragging point of these things is the number of CFUs, colony-forming units. So if it's 20 or 30 or 50 billion, they're going to put it on there. And there was only one of these good products that said, and it said 1 billion Saccharomyces boulardii. Well, hey, our capsule's 5 billion, but I still eat the fermented foods, and I feel better, so... Allergies can go away in a big way, but folks, you've always got to think, clean the liver, heal the guts. It's always a gastrointestinal link, always. Here, here's something that I'd, I'd like your opinion on because it's, it's, it, it's, I've got a theory, but it could be totally off base. Um, we've gotten really heavy in the ducks, as you guys might know, and we've built a very large customer base of people that buy duck eggs because they have allergic reaction to chicken eggs. And the two eggs aren't that much different, really, other than the duck eggs taste better um, and are more nutritious. But it, biochemically, <laughs> if you're allergic to one, you'd think you were the other. And we use a feed that is 100% free of any soy. And many of our customers say, even when I ate organic eggs, uh, so there was no glyphosate you know, in there, no, no, none of that stuff. But most organic feed is heavily based in soy because it's a – it's yeah. still relatively cheap source of the protein you need for for a livestock feed, and they can have a reaction to soy. Then the interesting thing is my feed has this huge amount of peanut in it, and we have people with peanut allergy. The egg don't do nothing to them, so I don't know that it would be maybe the soy coming through. My thought was maybe 
soys have these phytoestrogens in them. Right. And that if there would be any place that you could screw up estrogen, it would be in an egg. I mean, you're talking about the, the direct reproductive component of the bird. And that maybe some of these people with allergic responses to eggs are actually responding to this, this phytoestrogenic effect of the soy. But I'm, I'm spitballing on that one. Well, I don't know that I could scientifically, scientifically validate that. I personally think you're right. I, I use the non-soy, non-GMO stuff for my chickens and, and ducks. And Janet was over there with a grin about, you know, she accidentally cooked a duck egg the other day and it's like, yeah, it tastes a little bit different. I eat the duck eggs. She eats the chicken uh, eggs. <laughs> they're a little more like dinosaur eggs when you try to crack them. It's just something about cracking the duck egg. Yeah, you gotta use a knife or you end yeah. up with a bunch of shell. But the it's big trick, weird. the big trick with a duck egg, if you're frying it or you're cooking it at all, but especially when you're doing it like over easy, whatever, turn the heat down. Get it there slower. If you get it there too fast, it gets kind of tough. The whole thing's tough. Take your time getting there, and they're the most wonderful egg you'll ever eat in your life. Uh, she really got a bad taste when we had geese, and that was even bigger and yeah. harder oh, to yeah. crack. And she said, I will never cook another dinosaur <laughs> egg in my life. And it tasted great. Of course, she didn't taste it. I ate yeah. it. But, uh, I think you're right about the soy. I think soy is probably the only thing worse than soy, I think, is wheat. Uh, yep. But Remember back, I don't know how many years, maybe 20 years ago or so, we were getting doves and quail and, and uh, wild ducks and, and deer that were dying yeah. because of the aflatoxins in the corn that we were feeding them. I think that happens a lot with soy, too. That's a possibility. I guess it is. I didn't really ever think of that. So one of the things you have on your notes here for me is bacterial battlegrounds. How much help can it be in the human body and the soil? So what do you mean by battlegrounds? Well, because you've got the good and the bad, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as uh, gut bacteria. Uh, you know, here's my prediction for the next 20, 30, 40 years. I think the age of antibiotics are going by the wayside. And it's not that antibiotics can't be good still, but we've got so many uh, antibiotic-resistant organisms and, of course, we do that in our confined animal feeding operations. And then they, you know, have this uh, antibiotics and all these resistant organisms that's going through the wastewater, and it's creating all kinds of problems. So there's always a battleground between the, the ones that are beneficial and the ones that are pathogenic or parasitic. Uh, good bacteria, when you start getting the proper ratio of good bacteria, I think it's called uh, bacteriocytes is the species or genus or something. And then there's something called firmicutes, which are the bad ones, F for fat. But when you start getting good gut bacteria and get a large enough ratio, what happens is it reduces the inflammation you're not even aware of sometimes. Uh, it reduces the digestive distress. It reduces anxiety and depression. It reduces uh, a lot of times weight. I've had people say, well, I can't lose weight. I said, here, take the heck out of these things. And about three or four months later, they start saying, well, you know, I did shave off five or ten pounds in the last two or three months. And they probably weren't doing a lot different other than balancing that nutrition. You know, that's right. And now the probiotic companies, the good ones, of course, it it costs to isolate them, and I don't like them isolated. I like these, like we have about 14 different ones. Uh, but they're saying, 
uh, oh, if you take this, stress, anxiety, and depression has decreased 40% in three months. But, and you know, then they're, they're touting this one particular bacteria, uh, that actually can eat up cholesterol. It's lactobacillus sporogenes. And it's like, well, I, I think cholesterol is overblown in importance anyway, but they're, you know, that's a selling point for some people. Yeah, definitely. Um, when we look at soil, because you keep kind of ending up back there, one of the biggest <laughs> things we do for soil is, is, is to improve health and to get all of this high-quality biological life going on is composting and compost teas and things like that. And right. I've seen Dr. Elaine Ingham uh, have projects where they didn't even put compost down. They made compost tea and sprayed a place that was brown, and, and they do it a couple times and do some, you know, microscope work and figure out things and fine tune them. And next thing you know, it's a lush green paradise just from using compost and compost teas. Uh, and it's one of the biggest ways to like supercharge and get back into to balance. Is there anything we can learn from composting as it relates to the human body? Well, I think so. And that's where you get back to the fermented food. And by the way, that uh, Elaine Ingram is absolutely brilliant. I've read some of her stuff and it's like, holy cow, she takes it to a whole new level. Um, yeah, I do a lot of composting. I was just happy as I could be last week when I got a new trailer load of uh, composted cow manure. And Janet thinks I'm funny because I get excited, excited over the strangest things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, learn to ferment your food. Whether it's kombucha, kefir, uh, we do sauerkraut and relish and pickles. Uh, we're experimenting with the eggs so we can have the little bitty banny eggs that fit in between in, in the pickle jar, fit in between the big eggs. So, you know, there's not much else used for the banny eggs. They're just too little to do much with. That's uh, yeah. cool. Ferment your food, folks. It, it really makes a big difference all the time because you're putting in the good warrior, so to speak, that's going to fight off the yeast, you know, the candida, uh, the, the pathogenic bacteria and the ones that actually make you fatter. Can you talk about how that ha Why is a person with excessive yeast in their body going to be fatter if, let's say, that person and somebody else eats other than these fermented foods, pretty much the same. Let's not even say the same foods. Uh, same amount of calories. Yeah, actually I can because these fermicutes that I talk about, the bad bacteria and yeast, they actually extract more calories out of the food where the bacteriocytes uh, extracts more of the nutrients. Nutrients are kind of funny in the human body, and you probably know a lot more about the, you know, the soil. But you have to have a specific pH in the body for different things to be taken up. For example, magnesium, the, the body can take it up from a 5.6 to a 7.4. So all the way from acid to alkaline, uh, vitamin A and the B vitamins and E, they kind of have a much more narrow window. Then chromium and manganese and iron has a much more narrow window. And iodine, which is a problem because most people don't get enough, much less absorbent, and then have thyroid problems, you have to have a very, very specific pH of about a 6.3 to a 6.6, .6, a very narrow window. And so the yeast and the bad bacteria will take it way out of range, usually more acidic, to where these bacteria, if there's not enough to fight the yeast, 
they can absorb or extract and make those exudates to get the minerals into your system. So it's a pH thing, and they're fighting, you know, uh, the bacteria and yeast are fighting for that. Well, you're you're scratching a can of worms I want to open up here um, <laughs> uh, because I've, I've heard a lot of the acid alkaline diet thing, and it's usually pushed heavily by vegans, which I think there's an iron deficiency in a brain cell or two, but I'll let that go. Um, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but, but here's my deal with that. It, it sounds to me like you're talking about pH someplace where it can vary significantly, which is going to be in the digestive tract. Yeah. And a lot of these people, when they talk about it, Something. Anyway, anyway we, we, a, a lot of people when they talk about it, they talk about it though, like blood, blood gauge change. change. And my, my that's, that's all. Your blood gauge changes by much, and, and you're dead. Yeah, you know, I hear that all the time. People get on the internet and say, "Well, you know, if you make your body alkaline, cancer can't grow." I said, "You have such a simple understanding of what's going on, you're going to kill yourself." So, okay. Uh, I know some doctors that do what I do that won't take a vegan or vegetarian and, and work with them because they're usually that deficient. And I work with them, no problem. I know other doctors that say, oh, you smoke? No, you're not a patient of mine. It's like, well, you know, if you choose to smoke, just know that you're, you know, you're, you're that one-armed paper hanger and <laughs> one-legged paper hanger in a butt-kicking contest. You know, you're, you've handicapped yourself. But I think we're designed to eat meat. I do think we eat too much of it or the wrong kind of it, and meat makes you acidic. What what happened with the Atkins diet many years ago when that was the craze, people said, oh, I can eat all the meat and cheese and grease that I want. They didn't read that. He said copious, copious amounts of the alkaline-forming vegetables, and they ate so dang much protein they killed a lot of their kidneys. And that's a pH issue, too. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's what I always, I don't think, I think people, when we talk about paleo today, don't, you know, they're all like, well, you need, you need vitamins and minerals and you need this and that. And it's like not eating potatoes and, and corn and wheat does not mean not eating plant material. Right. That plant material should make up a, a very significant part of your diet and volume. Maybe it doesn't make up that much in caloric intake. But it makes up a significant amount of volume, the volumetric consumption. Yes. And if you're eating a massive chef salad and a, a, a side of like, you know, grilled green beans and asparagus and a big pile of like sauteed peppers, you're going to end up eating less ribeye. Yeah, well, that's true. And you know, the, the fiber you're talking about, the volume, it does a lot of things. It, it creates uh, uh, more water consumptions or it holds it so you have better bowel movement but you get the soluble you get the insoluble and that carries out a lot of the toxins and it feeds the probiotics so the fiber in the plants non-starchy plants are just absolutely incredibly important and that's why it decreases colon cancer and it stabilizes blood sugar. It lowers cholesterol. And again, I think cholesterol is kind of a farce, but um, kind of like global warming. But we'll we'll get into that maybe in a little bit with CO2. Um, so, yeah, you know, do the fermented stuff. You know, we do the pickles. Some people do fermented good cheese. Uh, some of these things, I don't even know what they are. You know, people say, what, Tempe? It's like, I don't know what that is. So, <laughs> paleo, yeah, I like paleo a lot better than Atkins. 
Yeah, I, I think that it's it's less of a focus on the the protein side and more of a focus on like the the diet side, the whole totality of the diet. And it amazes me that when you talk to people about this stuff, that that's what they always bring up is the fiber. Is though you get any significant significant amount of fiber from a, a piece of bread? I mean, the, the <laughs> amount of fiber in a piece of bread compared to the amount of fiber in a green pepper. Is is like you know night and day, or compared to the the amount of fiber in in a, in a big uh, salad is full of lettuce leaves. I mean, or if you you know if you go juicing an apple, you've made sugar crack. But if you're eating an entire <laughs> apple, then you're getting a massive amount of fiber, and you know you can drink the the the, the juice from from five apples easy enough. You're probably not going to shove five of them down in one sitting though. That right. that bulk and that fiber comes more from the the fruits and vegetables that you know, we do eat in the paleo lifestyle than it ever possibly could from bread, even if it was, you know, whole wheat. You still a very small amount of fiber compared to the total amount consumed. You know, that that's really true. And you were talking about apples, and I'm glad because an apple has about 14 grams of carbs versus the banana at 55. People say, but I put a banana in my smoothie. I said, Unless you're swinging from the trees 20 hours a day like a monkey, you really shouldn't eat bananas. Apples and avocados are just absolutely probably the most close to perfect fruit you can get. Really, I'm glad I got. I wish I could grow avocados, but I sure can grow apples, man. Good to hear. So the apple a day done the right way really does keep the doctor away. See what I did? I added a rhyme there. <laughs> oh, you're brilliant and good looking, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take the first compliment. There's a reason I do radio instead of television, but <laughs> yeah, that's what Janet said. I'm glad we're not on a uh, live feed with a video cause we got uh showered on coming in back to the office. She was oh, drenched. We've been getting a lot of rain lately. I mean, it's, might almost be too much of a good thing at some point soon. Mm-hmm. But we've been doing a lot of talk about the bacteria being good for our health. Are there things in our diet that challenge the viability of these bacteria and then can kind of create a disease process? Well, you, it goes back to grain. And, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here because the grain with the glyphosates um, – fed with the nitrogen that's replaced the calcium, uh, potassium, and magnesium. And, and magnesium's a rampant uh, problem. Uh, most of the disease processes, you know, you've got uh, one guy, Dr. Per- Perlmutter, that wrote a really good book about grain brain, and he talks about gluten insensitivity, or sensitivity, I guess, being uh, more of a neurological disease. And I do agree with him. But I mentioned earlier how in migraines, wheat is, it's involved 78%. Uh, oranges, believe it or not, are 65%. But it may not really be the oranges. It may be what they spray on them. And that's why I tell people, do more critical thinking. And they'll say, well, I'm allergic to eggs or, or allergic to chicken. I say, you're not allergic to chicken. You're allergic to the arsenic in the chicken. You're allergic to the antibiotics. Uh, dairy is a big problem unless it's whole milk and unpasteurized and all that. Of course, the refined sugars, I do very, very little bluebell, but I kind of put it on Facebook just to stir people up and say, <laughs> don't eat the listeria flavor. <laughs> don't eat the listeria And, you know, one of the healthiest things we can do is watch the additives. Get rid of the benzoic acid, the BHT, the B, things you can't pronounce, I can't pronounce. 
uh, sulfites are really not a good thing because it's not in the proper form. We need sulfur for good health. But as you were talking about the, the mycorrhiza, the fungi, they actually turn that into something that you could use, but not in the form that man puts it there for meat tenderizer or MSG and that sort of thing. And there's just so much. You know, I like to tell people, detox, detox. It's not the detoxification you hear on TV in that 30-minute infomercial. It's a daily thing, and it's by cleaning up your diet, putting the probiotics in, and letting them do their job. There's just too much research that says, well, there was a research article that says wheat can cause schizophrenia through gut irritation. This is from people like Journal of Biological Psychiatry and Journal of Science. So these are not just fly-by-night studies. Um, get rid of the grain. Go paleo. You know, ferment your food. Uh, you know, of course, Janet and I are big fans of supplementation of the good stuff. Definitely. I think with a detox, I think this is where it gets, it gets mismarketed to people, or maybe it's an intentionally mismarketed is a better word, where <laughs> what, they're, what they're saying is, you know, take this and detoxify, or have this fast for two weeks every six months, and then take this with it and detoxify. Well, to me, if that's what you're doing, it's kind of like saying, okay, we got this lake, and there's ten factories dumping waste into it, and what we're going to do is start putting some stuff in place in the lake to deal with the toxins that are in the lake. Okay, right. well, that's great, and I think we should do that, but if we don't shut off the 10 factories pumping their crap into the lake every day, well, you know, it's kind of like trying to, to, to bail a boat, you know, that's got a hole four inches around with a teacup. <laughs> you can bail your, you can bail till you're blue in the face, but you're still going to sink. And I think that's what a lot of the detoxification stuff in the flim flam world, the nutritional, uh, you know, marketing comes in it's like you can do whatever you want just you know detoxify well if you're going to detoxify that's great but maybe you should also stop toxifying like that might actually be more important because our bodies actually have if we stop dumping toxins in them this remarkable ability to detoxify themselves when they're running optimally if they didn't we'd all be dead because yeah. there's enough toxins going into most people right now if your body couldn't deal with toxins on some level You'd be you'd be you know pushing up daisies a long time ago. You'd have been composted. Yeah, and we're like, well, okay, let's take you from the thirty percent where you're living to seventy percent or eighty or ninety or a hundred percent as close as you can. You can't escape the toxins, but you can not swim in that lake with the ten factories dumping toxins in. You know, I like your analogy there. It's a well, you know, I've quoted this before. The polar bears have osteoporosis and thyroid problems, and we don't spray. Roundup up there. So, it, you know, it's pervasive things. Some places are worse than others, like welders and hairdressers, people that are around the chemicals, like the people that spray for pesticides. That can create a problem. You can't avoid it all. Uh, Janet and I got crop dusted in northern Mississippi one time and southern Louisiana another time. Yeah, yeah, we were sick as heck for about three months, but you've got to work actively uh, because you can't get, for example, enough B vitamins out of your food, even organic food. If you ramp it up just a little bit more, then you can begin to detoxify. Of course, for people that think there's a problem there, tell them to Google MTHF uh, mutation, and that's that folic acid thing I was talking about, but... You've got to have the B vitamins just to convert amino acids to the things that your body uses, like neurotransmitters, just to make you feel good. 
Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're, the thing with B is like, so one of the things I learned a long time ago is most people, especially by their 50s, end up being B12 deficient. <clears throat> and then you you danced around this a couple times, but the, the cholesterol <laughs> thing is overblown. Oh, yeah. I think one of the main reasons we have people with all these plaques, these cholesterol-based plaques in their arteries, is because what cholesterol does is it, it actually heals things. It actually is necessary for the manufacturing of, of the, the components of our joints. Yes. If the, if the artery's wounded, then the body's going to seal the wound with the cholesterol that's in the blood. But if the cholesterol's in the blood, blood and the artery ain't wounded, well, it, it's not going to do that. If you could, you could give a, a baby a, a tablespoon of lard every five minutes, and there's going to be nothing congealing to that that child's arteries if you get them to eat it anyway, because there's nothing there to, to to attach itself to. But we have this deficiency in B vitamins, specifically B12. We end up with something called homocysteine. Yes, and then that damages the arteries, and then the the, the cholesterol goes on to the scars and the arteries, and all of a sudden we've got this rampant you know, arteriosclerosis and stuff like that. And and to me, that's where more of that comes from than the consumption of the cholesterol containing food. You know, you have a really good understanding of that. And, you know, when you say in your 50s, you go toward B12 deficiency. Well, I'd like to kind of take that a little bit further. On these people we do the lab on, I'll say, well, look at your chloride. It's a 99, 100, and even though that's in range, that means you're so full of toxins. You didn't get old. You got another decade of accumulation of toxins, mm. and that slows down or stops your ability to make these enzymes, including digestive enzymes, and we'll start them out on one, and you know we'll play with it till we get it just perfect. And so when you don't have these enzymes, you don't digest your meat or your green leafy vegetables, and you don't get the B12 out of it. I tell people, if you have to take B12 every day, you don't have good digestion. If you're getting a shot every week in the butt from your MD, you're missing the boat. And these things you're talking about that, you know, cholesterol is sclerosing because of the damage to the artery, absolutely, and that comes from what? Sugar and simple carbs. It's the advanced glycation in products, A-G-E. It ages you. It's too much sugar. Your body's not designed to run on sugar like it, like we feed it. Not at all. Well, I'll tell you what. And When I learned about AGEs, that, that sent me hell long running for paleo lifestyle. When I learned <laughs> about what those were and the fact that you produce them and they're there for pretty much for good, yeah. and, and the only thing you can really do is tune up your body and stop making more of them, you know, it, 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 in some ways, that sounded more scary than smoking for part of your life. Right. You don't do it for your whole life. All Everything sort of kind of comes back to life as long as you haven't given yourself cancer yet. Mm -hmm. um, and if they do it for 100 years, it's different. But I'm saying, you know, somebody that smoked for four years, like the cilia and everything kind of revives itself after, uh, you know. But these AGEs, they're kind of there. These plaques are kind of there forever. And... When I realized what that meant, I'm like, well, I don't want to make it. You know, I'm in my 40s. I don't want to make any more of them. Well, you know, that's a wise choice. And, you know, that's that's our biggest challenge is getting people to love themselves enough to keep doing it. Because we, we become a society that wants to be instantly gratified. And it's like, yeah, well, most places that's not going to happen. You stick with it. I say, well, you'll feel some good changes. Some of them you won't feel, but it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you'll see it on lab. Sometimes you won't. You won't have a perfect lab. And 
told a girl today in a different state, I said, hey, I changed the oil in my Tundra. It don't, it doesn't run any different. It just makes sense to do it. Yeah. So the paleo lifestyle is for the large majority of people, the, the right thing to do. And, and I think that the, the supplementation you guys do, the, the hard science that goes with the supplementation has a, a lot of advantages too, from what I've seen in people that have tried it. And I also think there's an emotional, physical health link there that works like this. There's people that would be a lot healthier, even if they were still living the crappy way they're living, if they could emotionally get themselves into a positive state. I believe there's a mind-body link there. Uh, Absolutely. But if they feel like dog crap all the time, okay, then it's easier said than done. So on some levels, it's kind of like, It's kind of like, I don't know if you, they had these back when you was in school. We had this thing where you would climb up a wall in gym class, like a, use your upper body strength. There's like pegs. Right. You'd pull the one, you have to hold yourself up with one peg and you pull the peg out and put the next one up. Well, then you would have to pull, you had to go one and then the other and one and then the other and climb up there. You couldn't do two at a time unless you're some kind of ninja or something like that. And you could only <laughs> move one so far before you had to bring the other one up to it or past it. And I think that maybe that is kind of how some of this stuff works. Like, so we start optimizing your physical characteristics, your guts, your, your nutrients, whatever, and you feel a little bit better. So then that actually makes you not just feel a little bit better, but you at least remember what it's like to feel good again. So now you even have something to shoot for. So now you feel a little bit more emotionally better. And then the physical health kind of chases that for a while. And those kind of like pattern one after the other, because when I lost all my weight, It was also when I left work and, and people said, well, how much of it was diet and how much of it was like just the stress being gone? I'm like, I think it was kind of equal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's a good point. And I, I get a lot of your regular listeners and they say, no, I'm doing everything right. I'm eating everything organic. I said, great, let's do your lab and see. And they, they come back and say, holy cow, I didn't know how bad this was. At a guy in South Louisiana, he says, I'm young. I'm eating everything organic. I thought I was doing everything fine. I said, well, go down to your brewery and down at Abita and drink a Abita and you'll be fine. He emailed back and said, oh, I'm way ahead of you. Farmer Dan said the same thing. He's one of your biggest fans, too. Uh, but, you know, the problem about getting back, there's a book called Negaholics, and I think everybody needs to read it, but the people that need it the most are not going to. <laughs> and it talks about how you get into a negative feedback loop. And I've had people get better, get better, get better, and then boom, they go right back to where they were. They quit. They go back to their 20 drugs. They go back to being miserable. The physiology of that is you get about 2,500 different nerve pathways, 2,500 times more nerve pathways than the one that says do it correctly. So the negative ones... Um, win out unless you have a strong will or a strong spirit. And it's obvious listening to you, you have a very strong spirit, but not everybody does. So I tell them, call me, email me, I'll hold your hand, give you a big hug. But some people just don't have a strong enough spirit to do it, which I feel sorry for them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I know people that I've just tried to to, to kick life into, you know, where they just <laughs> yeah. quit, just quit crying and, and, and moaning and complaining and get, get something going. But I think a lot of those people, they need that, that physical, uh, component, like some level of physical correction. Cause I think a little can become a lot fast. And what I mean by that is if you feel like complete crap 
and, and something makes you just feel a little bit less, well then, well maybe today you'll take a walk instead of sitting in the couch, and then maybe you'll like the way that feels, and then maybe you become more open to the approaches that, that that you take, and maybe at the same time you become more approaches open to those approaches. You also become more open to the fact that you you mentally can make a choice, and those things have to be used together, especially for people that are not only physically damaged, but maybe emotionally damaged and maybe became emotionally damaged because of the physical damage. Yeah. And that's why I tell people, if you've got an apartment, put some plants out there, get you some organic soil that's usually sterilized. And I said, put some worms in it so you can put the bacteria. You've got to have a sense of purpose. And that's why Janet was like, man, you just love those chickens, don't you? Well, it makes me get up off my butt and put them back in the pen at night and put the electric fence up and, Makes me go out and take a walk with my AR-15, praying that a coyote will come out <laughs> trying to snatch them. It gets me more active. You've got to engage your brain. You've got to engage your spirit and then engage your physical self. Well, I think you're onto something big there. I mean, I think there's a, like, that is one of the biggest health crises, I guess I'd call it, in America is that people no longer feel that what they do is important, that it matters, that anybody gives a damn, that they just, have nothing that's, 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 that's there for them to go do. And that's why I think I like the whole, you know, homesteading type stuff because no matter who you are, there's some way you can do that. And I just don't think you can help but feel that like there's something meaningful happening now. Like something like just having anything depending on you, like whether it's a bunch of potted plants or a chicken or a duck or a cow uh, or a neighbor. Like I think we have this. This bio-spiritual need, like to combine two together, to have somebody else need us and to be needed and to have someone that we need. Like, we need that in our lives. I know that's a lot of needs, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that's what really drives us to become successful in whatever area. Uh you know, it, it's kind of human nature to want to help others. And then you've got to watch out because there is a trap. There's a few kind of people that you cannot help. And we call them assholes. They just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and never do anything. But uh, 99% of the people are good people that you can actually help. And Janet's over there rolling her eyes. She doesn't know whether to be amused or ashamed. That's going in the Spearco vernacular right there, an asshole. <laughs> that might be on Facebook today in a meme of some sort. I mean, but no, you're right. And there are people that you feel like, I can't help you yet. Like, and, and sometimes I feel like maybe you need someone else before I can help you. Like, you, you, you're, there's a certain thing that we're all good at, a certain level that we all work at. And sometimes I feel like people are at a level that's so negative that I can't, I can't go down to there to pull you out. All I can do is model behavior and hope you get better. Um, and then there's people that I feel like do that to others. Like, do you ever have to, like, in your counseling, I know he's primarily nutritional, but there's always a psychological component. Sometimes I have to tell somebody, like, you probably need to not be with that group of people anymore or you're not going to be able to do what you need done. You know, that's that's pretty wise. You're You're opening up a whole can of worms. Here's the thing. It goes back. What's going to save the planet? It's going to be that you have hope and you have trust and you have faith. And, you know, I, I spent 45 minutes of my life with a person one time telling her what's going on. And she emails me eight months later and says, but how do I know this? I've researched this for eight months. And oh, dear. How do I know? And it's like, listen, 
I very much like you as a person, but it's obvious your problem is spiritual. You need to go find somebody to help. When Janet and I feel like we're not what we should be, we go out and see if we can buy somebody's Starbucks or buy somebody's lunch without being caught. Uh, we'll, we'll try to go do something to try to help somebody, especially anonymously. But if you'll notice, folks, when you start feeling not so good mentally, pay attention to what you ate the day or two before that is almost always related. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, like, the other thing is, can you find something to make you laugh or smile? I mean, I think that's another way that people can really help themselves. Like, I don't care if it's a funny video or, I mean, you got you guys have ducks, too. You watch a duck walk across. The, the, I mean, you can't. You, you see him waddle across. And you, next thing you know, you're smiling because... You, you have to feel good and go outside and experience life. And that is a, a, a key component to health that no one talks about anymore. The doctors definitely don't talk about it. I'm talking about MDs here. Like that, like the furthest thing from their mind. It's like ailment A, chemical B, here's the prescription next. And, and that's kind of a recipe for death as far as I'm concerned. You know, we're kind of like brothers in the way we think. You know, Janet and I'll mix us a drink, go sit out back, and I'll put on an upside-down five-gallon bucket, I'll put some honey and some sugar and some water. Well, it's like an Amway meeting. One bee tells ten bees, and ten bees tell ten bees, and before long, there's bees buzzing all around us, and I've got my hour 15 watching the chickens and the ducks waddle, and the simple things bring us more peace. Yeah, I can talk, I can talk, uh, technical and throw supplements in the right kind, the right amount. It's more about getting back and getting spiritual to give back to the earth in a big way before you expect anything back. And that's why I tell these people, belly up to the bar and pay the bar bill for Jack. Give him this MSB membership. It's not that much. You know, we, we did it the first time you let us on. That was just in appreciation of what you did. And I know you didn't know that. We did it because uh-huh. it was the right thing to do. And well, yeah, again, go I do pre- something. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Let's not, let's not oversell uh, my, <laughs> my product though. But anyway, um, I do think that there's the, like I said though, and I keep bringing it back to this, like what you guys do on the, on the physical side. That there's that all this stuff we're saying, like get up and live life and experience life. If a person is so biologically messed up that they're in this stupor, it, it's so easy to say, and we all know it's actually easy physically to do. But getting the person to act on it again, I think we're back to that peg thing. Like we got to get one of them in motion, and then the other one, and, and we kind of build that momentum. Yeah, you know, you really have some good analogies that way. Yeah, I'm so old that we didn't have pegs. We just had a rope that was made back too, in 1800 yeah. with a knot tied in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you mentioned the rope, and I, it's, we had that too. And uh, and, and uh, but it works the same way, doesn't it? I mean, you 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 can't climb it with just your right hand. You've got to go hand over hand. And then some people never get up the rope. And the guy that can't get up the rope has to be taught how to get up the rope. You can't just sit right. there and scream at him. Right. If you if you believed you could climb that rope, you can. Yes, well, believe. You ain't got no arms, right? So I don't mean to pick on nobody without arms, but I mean obviously that guy's not climbing the rope with his hands anyway. And I think a lot of times in in, in life, and all of this damage that's been done to people, it's like yelling at a guy with no arms to just believe he can climb the rope. We've got to address the underlying 
components that have caused the damage. And I see people damaged all the time. I recently just talked to a young man that I was working with, and you know, he grew up in what people would call privilege. You know, he went to right. a private Catholic school, and but he never experienced real life. And this kid is damaged. You know, I think he's on his way to recovery because at least like when I told him he was damaged and I didn't say damaged, I said, you're effed up. And I used the real word and he said, I know I am. And I said, okay, then you are going to be all right. But like no real experience with real life. And that person has to go through a healing process. Yeah. And, and I think that we got just a bunch of people messed up in this country because we've become so disconnected with all this stuff. And that's, that's what I tell them. I said, listen, I don't hear from you enough. Give me an email, you know, call me and they'll say, well, you're busy. It's like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm a mother hen. You know, I'll, if you're a young woman, I'll treat you like I'm your daddy. You know, you need help from other people. We're not independent. You know, it's not like the old song, I am a rock. It's not like that at all. And I really think, you know, I'm kind of going back to the original thing. Start the bacteria going. Start the worms. It's like I bought thousands and thousands of worms, and now they're just proliferating on their own. And once you get the internal ecology going in your in your guts, then you feel better mentally. Or you can start with the mental parts. How are you? Well, somewhere between perfect and wonderful. You know, you can create it by what you speak. Or you can speak it after it's created in your guts because that's where your neurotransmitters come from. Well, um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you while I had you on here is I've never really talked about this with you before, um, but your methodology obviously is testing. In fact, you guys say we don't guess, we test. So I'm not right. recommending calcium for you because everybody should take calcium, but because I looked at your results and you know they're either really low or they're what you call – They're the everybody in the line at the state fair normal. Well, I loved when you said that. But I imagine when you tell somebody we're going to send you out and get tested, right? there's probably at least a few things that you always know, unless the person is living a really, really healthy life, that, yeah, we're going to figure out some of these other things to fine-tune, but almost everybody's deficient or has problems with these five or six things. What are some of those things that almost every person's results come back too low, too low, or too high, and too high? Well, the five or six basic things that most of the nutrition world would agree on is a good multivitamin. And guess what? If you go get it, it's probably not good. The multivitamin, uh, the fish oil, the probiotics, and the digestive enzymes. And a lot of people confuse probiotics and digestive enzymes. They're both important to gut health and digestion, but they're not the same. And uh, then they say fiber, which I always disagreed with fiber. If you're eating enough of the good vegetables and fruits, you don't need it. But since Janet started adding some really good fiber into my drink in the morning, I have to agree that fiber is important. And vitamin D, I don't care how much you're in the sun. I've never, never seen anybody in the sun that got it past a 42, and it needs to be 50 to 70 minimum. And that's because we're full of plastics and pesticides and heavy metals, so we really can't convert sunlight to vitamin D. So I'd start there, and that would cover, I mean, that's pretty common in almost all people. So it's usually digestion and you know, lack of nutrients. Most, even even organic stuff doesn't have that many nutrients in it compared to what it could be, depending on the soil, of course, that 
it was grown on because calcium's not that important. We've got plenty in our diet, but you don't get enough iodine, magnesium, zinc, selenium, manganese, and on and on and on it goes. Uh, and it just depends on where it's grown. So a good malty. Very good. I, I think there's a lot of truth too. You keep talking about the organic thing, and I, I we'll go back to that lake analogy. So taking going to an organic sub, you know, substitution for what you've been eating is like, in some way, shutting off those pipes of all of that stuff that was flowing into that lake. It, right. But it doesn't necessarily mean bringing the good along with it. So then we got to increase the biology in the lake to deal with everything that already got in. And I think that that's, that's what a lot of people do is they, they go out and they say, well, I'm not going to eat any of this bad stuff anymore. That's a great step. But yes. if you have damage you don't repair, then great. You're not making it worse, but you're also maybe not making it better or not making it better everywhere. Um, and when it comes to doing that with the supplements, now you got to sell a supplement brand and everybody that sells anything thinks they sell the best that, that, that there is or otherwise they wouldn't do it. So, I know some people might roll their eyes when I ask you this, but I've seen the results, and 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 I understand that you're not going to say that everybody's supplement everywhere except yours sucks. No, that wouldn't but, be true either. But, but what makes a supplement good, and why are so much of the supplements that are on the store shelves, whether it's at GNC, an independent you know health food store, or Walmart, you know, not quite what you really want to be spending your money on? Well, I'd have to disagree that people wouldn't sell it unless they thought theirs was the best. Some people think that if they're going to make money on it, that's reason enough. And uh, there's nothing wrong with making money, but I think you have to make it with, you know, good integrity. Uh, you know, there was a recent thing that came out that said, well, GNC, Walmart, Target, and Walgreens was selling stuff that had uh, soy and house plants and peanuts and sometimes sawdust in it. And... Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of crappy, crappy, crappy supplements. Um, and it depends on the form, and, and you've got to watch where it comes from. And although we source our stuff from different countries throughout the world, you and there's stuff, good stuff that comes from China, but you've got to really, really, really watch China, and you've got to test it independently. Um, like our fish oil comes out of Sweden and Norway, and one guy asked me for the certificate of analysis, and on our certificate of analysis it said this. Well, we were 10 times cleaner than the industry standard. We were 200 times cleaner than the industry standard because even though it's coming from the small fish that can't bioaccumulate as much, you kind of have to clean those up anyway, even from Sweden and Norway. And sometimes the capsules uh, are really, really bad, toxic, depending on what they put the in the capsules. The cheaper ones are usually the more toxic ones. We go to we have we go to a lot of work to do it. And no, I do not have all the good supplements. There are other good supplement companies out there. And one of the things you mentioned is a multivitamin. And, and what I've heard is a lot of these, like if you go out and buy Centrum or something like that, that you're ending up peeing out more than anything you're ever absorbing. A lot of this stuff's not absorbable. What are some of the things that good supplement providers such as yourself do to make sure that if I take a multivitamin, I haven't just purchased expensive urine? Well, you know, the, the statistics are about one out of eight supplement on the market is really, really, really good. Um, for example, Centrum, 
they, uh, that's the one they studied that made you die sooner. Okay. Uh, and then there was a huge anti-supplement. So the they came out with silver. <laughs> yeah. Because it makes you old faster. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> well, some of them, the way they're put together is like a left-handed threaded nut on a right-handed threaded bolt. It's an exact mirror image, but it will not fit into your enzyme system. And your body's low on enzymes anyway, uh, just because we don't make them like we did 50 years ago. So, you know, we put enzymes of different types in our supplements so that it assists in the breakdown of them. And I tell people, don't expect a miracle. Don't expect perfect lab work. Expect to make little steps ahead, three steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one, you know, you're going to have a good day and a bad day and a good week and a bad week. That's going to happen. But uh, I can tell you this, I feel about half my age until I quit taking my stuff for four or five days because I got lazy. Hmm. Do you want your car almost empty or almost full? And it, your lake analogy, okay, you shut off the ten pipes coming out of the factories. But to clean up that lake, do you want a one-inch pipe of clean water going in or do you want you know, a five-foot pipe of water coming in to dilute it and, and flood it out and clean it up? And that's what the extra nutrients will do. Well, that makes, that actually makes a dramatic amount of sense. Um, so when people are thinking, how do I, how do I start, you know, this process? Uh, I, I really recommend that they work with you. Can you tell them how, how they can do that? And for people that maybe want to test the waters, they don't want to call you up and get tested. Is there like something they can start with that, that would be, you know, we kind of caught some things would be universally applicable. Well, you know, what we've done is we've gotten some packages together that people can buy, and they're really, really inexpensive for the quality you get. Uh, for the people that don't want lab work, uh, are afraid of lab work, can't get to a lab because we've got people in a lot of different countries. You know, like we've got Live It Up package. Uh, uh, here, here's the thing, Jack. Sorry if this sounds hokey. Yeah. You gotta go to somebody that you trust and feel good about. And I've always said, use your spirit of discernment. If you don't feel good about Janet or Stephen, there's other people that can help you, but you've got to, you've got to feel good about it. You've got to, it's about trust and faith. Um, and to get in touch with us if you want to, hey, call us up. I'll talk to you. And, and, you know, you can judge me, but I'll, I'll let Janet talk about how to get in touch with us if, if you don't mind. Not at all. <laughs> um, our website, which is brand new, uh, it's doctorsnutrition.org. Uh, if you will register on there, uh, especially if you're, um, a member with Jack, you can get a 10% discount for shopping with us, but we do need to know it up front so we can give you the special shopping. Um, we've, got a health survey on there that you can fill out so that we're not guessing at what's wrong with you uh, and we don't interfere with any of your medications because you're able to write them all on there. Um, and then uh, we get started with the low-cost lab work generally or you can send us your own lab work if you've got some in the last two or three months and the consultations with Dr. Lewis are always free. So that's it in a nutshell. And again, the website there is doctorsnutrition.org, and, and the people out there that have been working with you uh, that have been using a code every time they order need to kind of really 
hook yeah. on to what you just said there that basically now they've you guys have joined the 21st century and people have you know <laughs> the permanent uh, addition to their account that once they're logged in to order they just get the discount from now on so it's a lot more convenient um and the first time they register the procedure to get that to happen is to to email you call you or one right. or the other Right. E- email us or call us, which is on the website. Our phone number is also. We've got to go in the back end of it and turn it on. So don't place your order. Just register yourself in there, and then we can see it and make you a, a special member. And you'll need the super secret code word that's in the back area yes. of your member's uh, account to, to be able to get that to happen. Cause yes. They'll know if you're cheating and you try to tell them that the secret code word is tree. They're not going to believe it. <laughs> Dead governor, I'll have to change it now. <laughs> We're a little more sophisticated than that one. But, uh, man, I, I love having you guys on. I think we need to get Janet to talk more, though, Doc. I mean, I like hearing from her. Not that I don't like hearing from you, but. Uh, she's prettier than I am too. Uh, Sounds better than you too. I mean, yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, I had I had one guy said, "Is that you on your website? That picture of you and Janet?" I said, "Yeah, that's us." He said, "Boy, she is pretty, but it looked like a ferret got on your face and died. Is that really your mustache?" <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Listen, Jack, I I appreciate what you bring to the table with the diversity of information and and you in a maybe different way than us you give a lot of people hope because i hear that from the people that i talk to and folks this is the only way we're going to really save the world and make it a better place get back to basics get back to hope and faith and save the soil use your probiotics in your soil as well as anywhere else it really having something to care about will take you to a new level of feeling good spiritually and I think there's there's a lesson there too that you keep talking about the soil that we have an intrinsic link to our planet and I, I quit trying to save the world from the save the whales standpoint a long time ago and <laughs> focus on doing the right things for myself and hopefully other people's emulate it but yes. uh it, the, there is a direct correlation and this goes back to the works uh, of people like uh, Dr Albright and Dr Price etc between the health of soil and the health of human beings. And you, you, you cannot have healthy human beings that live in a place without healthy soil. Uh, maybe some kind of sci-fi thing in the future, they'll develop a test tube that'll make you healthier or whatever. But it's with our current <laughs> knowledge and technology, there is an intrinsic link there. And I believe as we've made the, the whole planet sicker, well, gee, we got sicker with it. Right. And, and I think what I like about what you guys do is, there's been a lot of damage done to people because of that, and they didn't know they were doing it. They're not bad, you know. In general, they're not bad people doing it. No. If you're the CEO of Monsanto and I've offended you, I I hope you tune back in to be offended again tomorrow. But everybody <laughs> else, generally, you know, we're, we're they're good people doing the best they can, and no no mother wants to feed her kids food and think to herself, I'm feeding them toxins and poisons that are right. damage them and screw them up for the rest of their life, but when you look at it that way, that's kind of what you're doing a lot of times. And for a lot of people that are out there in this movement, they spend a lot of time talking about what's wrong, but they don't spend an awful lot of energy talking about how to stop doing it. And, you know, a woman that's a single mother, the, the dad's not even paying child support because he's gone or in jail or whatever, and mm-hmm. she's getting by on $300, $400 a week, if that, and she wants to make sure her kids eat, there's only so much that she can do to control what she feeds them 
But at least the awareness of the problem starts to send you down the right track. And I think a lot of this stuff doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And I think a lot of people out there that are barely getting by might start, you know, thriving if they can start to fine-tune their health. And I think you help a lot of people do that. And I know you guys do a lot to give back, so I appreciate you for that, too. Well, thank you very much. So I'm going to go play on my uh, trailer full of manure, improving my soil some more. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure. And with that, folks, this has been uh, Jack Spierka today along with Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet Lewis helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. The revolution is you. It's in our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we There's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess We follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Nobody up there.